Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Galatians 4, 3 through 10. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather, to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? Whose slaves you want to become once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. The word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, it was my fault I didn't give the person who put the scriptures together the full one. But there's one more verse to read. Um, so it ended. Your, your reading ends. You observe days and months and season and years. But there's one more verse that says, I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. I'm going to bring that up. So I just wanted to make sure I said that. I'm welcome this morning um, to this. You know, it, this is a strange time of year. You don't know whether you want to be hot whether you want to be cold, you're driving a car, you turn your heat, your nose dry out, you know, it's, it's a pain. Right now it feels kind of hot, but if it weren't, it'd be kind of cold, right? It's just a difficult time. So take off your coat, put it back on, just, I'm fine. Just trying to figure it out up here. Up here. But we continue in our grace-filled sermon series. And last week we looked at the glory and power of what it meant or means to be a son, right? It's a legal term. It's not a gender term, as we saw in Scripture. Son is somebody who has the standing to inherit all that the Father has for them to inherit. Someone who's adopted by God through faith in Jesus Christ. This week, we look at what it means to be thirsty, now, God in Christ deals with that thirst. In what appears to be his first public sermon, Jesus said these well-known words to an oppressed, broken, and sold-out people. Blessed, he said, are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness? For you will be, your translation satisfied, other translations say, you will be filled but those words, the gospel, right? Jesus was making a bold declaration that the gospel, the good news, the ministry and message of Jesus Christ declares that it has and it is what it takes to take on the brokenness of people like you and me. And so by hunger and thirst, it refers to that um, raw, that instinctual feeling that things just ain't right. 
that something critical is missing in your life, whether it's food or relationship or connection or personal worth and value or health or love or belonging or some kind of spirituality or community. Thirst is synonymous with hunger, desperation, desire, drivenness, lust, emptiness. I was at the hospital visiting one of you. Um, I don't know if you're here this morning and they were pulling a tube out And as I waited, I heard them say, it won't hurt. It will just feel weird. And when it was done, the nurse asked, didn't it just feel more weird? And the person was like, no, that hurt. (laughs) Don't they do that all the time to you? They say, you're going to, Mr. Brown, you're going to feel a little pressure. You're going to feel a little pinch. You're just going to feel a little prick, right? Nah, that's pain. Don't call it pressure. Don't give me no broccoli and call it, call, tell me it's greens, right? You've heard that before. Thirst. Human thirst is pain, y'all. Even if it's kind of wrapped up and packaged in anxiety or depression of the human mind and spirit, that's pain. And the gospel comes to address that pain, that thirst, that emptiness. And that should have been a basic elementary truth for believers in Galatia who received this letter from the Apostle Paul about 60 years or so after Jesus first said these words. But they, like us, started following and checking out other cures, other solutions for their thirst. And so Jesus' original original message in this letter to the Galatians, it serves us and it served them as a call and a recall, if you will, and an address to the thirstiness in you and me. In three ways I want us to see today. First, that we must accept that living broken makes us thirsty. Living broken makes us thirsty. Secondly, that self-fixing our thirst mask the thirst, right? And finally, that the gospel alone redeems our thirst. From these passages, it is clear that being broken makes us thirsty. By using the words thirst and hunger in this verse, Jesus is saying brokenness is basic. It's an elementary problem with all human beings. We are all in pain. We all have hunger pains. We're parched, if you will, within and without in relationship deserts, living with dry wells of all sorts in life because we are unrighteous. We are sinful. We are broken. And this would have been easily accepted by the group hearing this. Especially back then, they would have seen thirst and hunger as something deserved. Our culture is a little different, and we'll get to the victim thing. We rarely say, you know what, I deserve to be like this. No, we don't say that, right? We don't walk around with shirts that say, deserve to be broken, right? Deserve to be hungry and thirsty. My sin did it. We don't walk around with shirts like that. But back then, they would have thought that this is something deserved for all the wrong they had done in their lives, which as a penalty, cut them off from the spring. 
from the goodness of God's blessing and help in their lives. You're hungry, you're thirsty because you broke your own supply. You cut off and cut off relation with God. And so we are living in the basic elementary consequences of that brokenness. And I agree in principle, right? It's elementary gospel, gospel 101. Just in case you forgot or didn't know, the first half of the basic biblical gospel message is this, that we are sinners, right? That we have broken the laws of God and the law of love. We have not loved God like he deserves and er, deserves and calls us to and have failed rather to love others according to the dignity they have been created with by God. I'm not sure that any of us would actually disagree with that. You, you, you know how you start a conversation with almost anyone? Just say, things just ain't right, are they? Right? Nobody says, nah, things are perfect. Right? Things ain't right. Like, or, or, or say, man, if things could just get better. Oh, sure, sure. You don't even have to say a subject. You don't even have to tell what it is. You know, just things ain't right. No, they ain't right. So true, right? Wait, look around us. Look at us. Look at our world. Things ain't right. And the gospel says that is because we haven't lived right before God. We've broken all kinds of things and we have failed to fix and repair what is broken. Man, I, when I was growing up, why did I always try to take my toys apart? Right? Trucks and toys and action figures, one leg over there, one wheel over here. And I go to my privileged friends down the street, all the toys straight. You got the little containers for it, right? Stuff still in the package. I love going to their house and playing. I don't want to play with my broke up toys. And that's life. We broken it, right? We're part of the reason. We so thirst for something else because we broke ours. But it's also, right, um, meant some, it also meant something else to this crowd Jesus spoke to. That they were thirsty and hungry because they had been broken. That they had been taken advantage of and damaged by the irresponsible and unloving behavior of others around them. That especially at this time, the Romans and their religious leaders were in cahoots with the Roman leaders. They were creating a system of religious and, and, and social oppression that kept people without hope, spiritually and socially oppressed, spiritually abused, right? Manipulated, just, just not right. Being a sinner means then not only you sinning, but the result of being sinned against and living in this sinful world, being a broken broken person, being broken by somebody else. Those folks were thirsty for righteousness because they had been done wrongly, and you are too. Now, we express it in different ways, but there isn't one person sitting here that has not experienced some kind of abuse or been forgotten or forsaken or left behind or overlooked or told they were ugly or not beautiful enough or not good enough or not worthy enough or taken advantage of or devalued or hurt or hit or beat down. It's everybody's story in this room. We are thirsty because we have been neglected and negated and not treated with full dignity and worth. We've been broken. And all of this breaking and being broken and thirst is, come on, it's bad news, right? It's bad news. 
Our Galatians passage in, in verse 3 says this. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. And then in verse 8 and 9, if you jump down there, it says this. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? This is talking about being stuck. This is talking about being enslaved. Or for us believers, those who claim to be believers, going back and being re-enslaved to the elementary principles of the world where our brokenness and our subsequent thirst and hunger are controlling and defining and driving us to find relief in ways the gospel is promising and has promised to save us from, but we have overlooked or ignored or not believing. And some of us who claim to be believers are back into the cycle and circle and chains and enslavement to living broken without righteousness or any hope or power of righteousness for the thirst you have known. Well, some of us in here are not believers, right? We have yet to know what it is to live life without the drivenness of spiritual hunger. Always thirsty with no assurance that the pain, that that pit in our souls, that gap in our world will ever be addressed. Which brings us to this. That not only is it true that brokenness makes us thirsty, but self-fixing, trying to deal with it yourself, let's call it self-righteousness, self-writing, makes, I mean rather, mask our thirst. The scene into which Jesus preached was a desperate one, right? If you look at the history around and what was going on with the Israelites because of the system of religion and government, they thrived off people trying to handle their thirst, trying to fix their own pain, very much like our country today, much like our churches today. They were easily exploited and desperate to change their circumstances and fix their brokenness. It's elementary marketing, y'all, ain't it? Right? There is always a market for self-improvement, isn't there? For for self-fixing, for bettering yourself. I I get caught up all the time. I'm looking at TV. Look, use this flashlight to look in the dark. Yes, because I can't look in the sea in the dark. Yeah, that's what I need. Right? They use this in the military. This this flashlight, a truck can run over it and not break. That's what I need. I got to fix my life. I don't have night vision. I need it. Right? And, 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 but think about it. Especially if you're at home at the time or broken people at home a lot, underemployed, unemployed, hurt for some like on the job injury or something, in the middle of the day are the biggest self-help commercials. Right? For, for bettering yourself, for borrowing, for, for betting on yourself and, and your drive. If you take this, you can make millions. Because you can do it. You have the drive. You're so thirsty. You're so broken. If you take this, man, nothing can stop you. You'll be the next millionaire. Because people are always hurting. Always thirsty, always feeling broken for something all the time. Elementary marketing believes and is founded on a biblical principle. Did y'all know that? Total depravity. 
and total desperation where people can't stand and will not stand and stay still if they're thirsty and unrighteous. They will seek a fix. And trust me, I got what you need, right? A fix through whatever this world and its elementary principles can offer you so you can dig your own well, so you can mix your own pain concoction. And some of us, are, our shelves are filled with stuff, right? And if you look at that credit card bill, look at the stuff you bought, right? Look, look at the stuff that's piling up to fix yourself. Look at the long list of relationships. Right? Some of us look in our text messages, look in our social media history, right? What have we done to fix ourselves? Lots. And as Jesus looked at the crowd, he saw a perpetual thirst that would not get any better unless righteousness was brought and given as a blessing. We'll get into more of that next week. But Paul describes it here as an inheritance of righteousness, something you can't get or fix for yourself or get so you can fix yourself. But we will try on and for our own way anyway, won't we? Don't we? Don't we keep trying? Look at verse 8 again in Galatians. It's formerly when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods, right? You're turning to something that are not gods, things that really can't help you. And if you look at the Bible's description of idols or gods, the God's only work when you put the batteries in them. And the batteries only work when you buy the batteries, right? That's idle. Man, this is really, my job is really working, like blah, 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 or, oh, I really love this person. And the only reason it's working is you're putting your thirst and desperation into it, and that's what's fueling it. It's a terrible cycle. So he says here, you've become enslaved by that. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, in other words, you're a believer, Right? Or rather to be no, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles? Remember we talked about elementary marketing? This is elementary marketing. Why are you being taken by this stupid stuff? You know how much broken stuff I got at home? Huh? You know how much stuff I broke at home thinking I could fix it? Right? Just elementary stupidity. We do it. And thus the economy keeps working on oh, people like us. Well, me. Who slaves you want to be once more? Keep going. You observe days and months and seasons and years. So back then they had kind of a moral thing that if you did these religious things, you, would, you, you, you could fi fix your thirst. He says, I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Those words in vain say it all. He's saying all of these religious, right? Self-righteous activities, your self-attempts at writing, self-fixing, what is wrong in yourself and others, get this, and the world is simply enslaving you again as those who live like they don't know God. That thing, these things, not only fail to redeem the source of your pain and your emptiness, they simply work to mask, right? To cover, to put a band-aid over the infection of your thirst. They don't actually get you right. It's old school. I don't know if y'all too old to know about this. I mean, too young to know about this. For someone to say, hey, y'all, I got to go get right. You know what that means when somebody say that? I got to go get right. Maybe it's just a Charleston thing. I'm sorry. That was code language for you got to go get your package. Y'all know what a package is? 
Y'all know what the package store is? Let me keep going. Y'all know what the ABC store is? With the three dots? Huh? When people used to say, hey, man, I got to go get right tonight. That meant they going to get their package. They going to the package store. Right? They going to get a drink. They possibly going to get drunk. And that is getting right. Or worse, right? To get hit, a hit on something harder. To turn to a vice. To a small g, God. Right? Now hear this. And vices that mask our pain, I started with something extreme. Like, I'm going to go get right. I'm going to go get some drugs. I'm going to go party. Whatever. But vices that mask our pain, if you look at Galatians, don't have to be stuff like getting drunk or high or partying or being sexually promiscuous or blatantly immoral or something. But as in the case of Galatians, being religious. I'm going to get right. I'm going to church. Great. Good start. Right? But your religion can become a small g God. Is this interesting? That your morality, acting like a good person, trying to find the rules and steps to being good, right? Keep it small g, like the word good, but it never is, it is not necessarily a ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, right? And so Paul, Paul is saying, what that amounts to is a religious slavery or slavery to a religious a culture or religiosity or a moral, a moral way of living, a Bible belt existence where as long as you're under the belt or on the belt, you're good. And for the Galatians, they believed they were pushing these extra worship services. They were pushing circumcision. They were pushing being more like a Jew, an original Jew, right? And doing all the rites and participation in sacrifices. If you, if you want to know um, one way to tell a, a false religion or, or, or a version of, of Christianity that re, really isn't Christianity, you will have a multitude of rites that you got to go through. Right? You got how many hoops you got to jump through? And then when we jump through one hoop, there's 10 more. But there's never a, a, see, an initial declaration. You are declared completely righteous. Come on in, brother and sister, and just, and just grow. That's not how it works. You got to change your name. You got to do this. You got to change what you dress. You got to stop smoking, drinking, eating. You got to do all this stuff. And it's not a response to righteousness, it becomes a way to be righteous. Huge difference. And we'll, we're going to unwrap some of this through this series. Some of you been in prosperity ministries. I've been in it, naming it and claiming it, right? So Kelly's prayer about the car, that's great. But I was going down to the dealership, touching that thing. I didn't wait for somebody to give me a car. I went to get mine, right? Because it was mine in Jesus' name, right? I had to get my blessing, y'all. Y'all never, y'all don't, some of y'all are religious enough to know what this means, right? And then if you bring it to yourself, you know what that means. And look, 
I'm not making fun of sincere and authentic worship when people do this. I'm talking about motions that we learn. I'm talking about seasons and holidays and events and, and, and motions. And, 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 and I'm only talking about my own experience. I'm sure it comes out culturally in different churches in different ways. Prosperity ministry is not just what you see on TV where the marginally, uh, where working class and poor people are putting their money in the plate hoping they get something back. But you understand how that works. Remember the elementary marketing principle, right? When you don't have a lot, sometimes you're the first one to give all your money to the pyramid scheme. But who's at the top of the pyramid scheme? Not you, but somebody is. So there's different types of prosperity. Some of you were told that if you uh, believed in the Judeo-Christian work ethic, you were good. Where'd that come from? Right? What, what is that? I kept hearing that. The Judeo-Christian work ethic. You know, if, if you don't work, you don't eat. Right? Work hard. And all. Come on, y'all. Really? Is that righteousness? Right? Or, 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 or to, oh, and if you do this, if you become, uh, go on staff of a church or of a ministry, right? Or, or become a pastor. Let me tell you as a pastor, don't try that. <laughs> Let me go ahead and testify to it. I became a pastor. I married the perfect woman for ministry, Kelly, right? We had an idea of what the ministry going to look like, what the salary should look like for us to finally <sighs> thirst be quenched. When that happening? When? Some of y'all believe that being married is going to do it. Right? I am so sorry that somehow they said marriage was the answer. Right? Marriage is a new beginning. I didn't say awesome, great, perfect, righteous beginning. It's the beginning of a lot of stuff. <laughs> there's blessing in there too, but there's a lot of bone in that fish. <laughs> oh yeah, the meat in that fish is sweet. But a lot of bone. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Every now and then is a fillet. But a lot of bone. Or sometimes it's um, how many quiet times you do or bring this many people to the Lord or give this much money or don't do these sins. Or stand up for or against this thing in the world. Be more concerned about this issue above all else. I've been there. I've fallen to it all. No, not all, because I'm still living. Right? I told y'all, I've been walking with the Lord for over 35 years. I have done it all, just about. I've been in this ministry, done this, sent my money to the man on TV, gone up, touched the screen. <laughs> Only listened to conservative right-wing radio. I was a Rush Limbaugh follower. Yes, I thought the spotted owl should die. Right? Yeah, forget the spotted owl. Right? Forget it. Forget that dumb bird. Let's have some trees cut down so we can have some capitalism. Right? I was there. 
I was arguing with people over this. Bunch of tree huggers, right? I was there. It was my righteousness. Looking at the black church. Uh-oh. Man, the black church, they just emotional. They don't have that good Calvinistic theology. Right? It was like going, it's like do the right thing, going into Sal's pizza. Right? <laughs> nothing but white guys on the wall. And if there's nothing but white European guys on the wall, it had to be right. A form of righteousness. Not that what Calvin and Luther had to say wasn't right. That's some good stuff. But it's not righteousness. Oh, I went to the right schools, hung out with the right people. Pain. I just went from one slave master to the other. I'm in the PCA now. I'm not AME anymore. One slave master to the other. And it isn't the organization. It's the heart. Self-fixing and masking by making... Some of us self-fix and mask by making thirst good and not bad. We're being driven by making statements like, I'm thirsty. I hear y'all. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. You ever see the football players? I'm eating, right? Like that makes it good. Some of us turn to the thirst and say, hey, being thirsty because unrighteous is actually a good thing. And that becomes our righteousness. I'm going to do it all. I'm going to be the champion. I'm going to win, right? I'm going to win. I'm not a loser. This, this heart don't pump no Kool-Aid, right? All that craziness. Passion. Oh, I'm passionate, and I'm a dreamer, and I got destiny, and I'm going to go do it, and the world is my oyster. Come on, man. All you're doing is you're, 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 you're showing pains of thirst. You know, you're saying, I'm thirsty, y'all. Can't you see it? And we put a ribbon on that. We say, that driven person is the one I want to hire. That driven person is the one. And what happens is you become enslaved because you're so driven. And I've made an allusion to this. Some of us have just said, my thirst is so big. Forget God. Thirsty. It's really difficult for people temporarily, historically, and systematically oppressed for some reason. It doesn't have to be ethnic. It doesn't have to be a black thing. You don't have to be a descendant of slaves. Maybe you came from a poor family. Maybe you have a sordid family history, passed down curses and all, in an insecure, unsecured family, I call it, where you're never, we're never safe or, expo- or you, you're an exposed people group in some way or suffering a gender discrimination that has broken you and made you long for righteous justice, peace, comfort, and freedom. And try, you're trying to outwork it now. You're trying to outmoral it now. You're trying to out be good enough it and out success it and outrun it, out pretend it. And, it, isn't, it, is, it. and that is not the same thing. As the righteousness Jesus is talking about. Y'all done a good job. I give you a participation trophy. But God doesn't give participation trophies. Did you know that? I know we do this for kids in sports. God doesn't say, good job. Here's a trophy. He wants to give you more 
right? But all we want is a participation prize? Really? Y'all successful. Some of y'all, I mean, I am. I, 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 okay, I'm trying not to testify too much, but I think there's some people in this room, you the golden child, right? I'm the firstborn male of all the grandkids. I'm supposed to be smart. I'm supposed to be a leader, right? I'm supposed to do all the degrees and do all the stuff. Some of y'all are right there. You the golden child. Golden like an idol. <laughs> Your parents' idol. Your family's idol. Everybody looking to you. You cannot fail. Black man, you cannot fail. Black woman, you cannot fail. Women, y'all can't fail. I said this the other day. White man, you really can't fail. Because if you do, what's wrong with you? What? You, you, ain't, you struggling? What, 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 what's the matter with you? You inherited this. You got this privilege. What? what? Enslaved. That's all righteousness, y'all. It's all righting what's wrong. You see the gospel. Uh, it, it, so let me, let me say this. And here's the worst news. Like Paul was afraid of with the church in Galatians, that their thirst, hear me, would be quenched. And they would be made to feel righteous in something and get enslaved by something that could not actually make them righteous. The worst place any of us can be is content. That's the worst. That's pretty bad when you're thirsty and keep striving. But what happens when you're like, I've arrived? Another place in the letter, Paul says, describes this as being bewitched, being enchanted, tricked, hoodwinked, into thinking and feeling like you're okay. That is not redemption. That is not righteousness. That might be spiritual death, right? That might be ultimate enslavement. You see, the gospel has never, hear this, please. The gospel has never been about masking our thirst and our pain and our brokenness. The gospel is not about getting enough religious activities and doing enough stuff and making yourself feel good enough. It's never been about that. It's about redeeming your thirst. Look again what Jesus actually says here. He says, blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Y'all see that? Jesus was not saying that you are blessed only if your thirst goes away, but blessed are those who continue to thirst for a righteousness, right? Righteousness, why is that a blessing? Again, Paul says, don't be enslaved to the elementary principles, but turn back to the Lord. You know, one of the sad realities of slavery in this country is I was studying about slavery, and even back then in Roman Greco slavery, that, that even after slaves were set free, there was nothing there for them. No society, especially in certain areas, was not built for them. It was easier, hear me, easier for some to just go back and live as slaves who legally were free. It did not work too, too long. To, it didn't work to long for anything better when no way to be right was out there. 
It was silly to be thirsty for righteousness and freedom. And, and, and it was easy just to settle, just to mask it, just to bury it, just to let it die, just to be a good, quiet slave, put on the happy face and do good life and perform and dance and make money and do what you had to do. I had a counselor tell me as I was working through some self-condemning and sinful patterns in my life about being a performer and putting on my own mask. He said, Howard, you don't hunger or thirst enough. You're not thirsty enough for enough. I'm like, what? You're only hungering and thirsting for what you can see and give yourself. You see, Jesus doesn't say blessed are those who find a way to deal with their thirst or deal with the symptoms of their thirst or make their thirst so not so bad or mask it. No, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What is Jesus saying? This is crazy. Blessed are those who don't and can't and won't find righteousness in this world outside of the blessing and filling that he brings. That you are not settled for slavery, as Paul says, stuck having to simply mask your pain and brokenness. If you are not stuck there, then you are actually blessed in your thirst and hunger. Hear this. Jesus did not come to mask our thirst. The gospel, again, is not about covering up and helping us make our thirst and hunger for righteousness not as bad, but the opposite. The blessing of the gospel is that it unmasks it and then rightly diagnoses, directs, and orients our thirst towards spiritual health. Three years ago, I was always thirsty. Literally. Not that other thirsty y'all talking about. Summit. Literally, I was stopping at gas stations every two miles and getting one of them one liter drinks till I can get to the next gas station because I would drink it down. Drinking liter after liter, chain drinking and sweating up a storm, especially up here. Ugh, eyes burning. I thought something's wrong. And then like most of us, right? I thought, nah, I'm just a water man. Right? I don't drink soda like them other dudes. I'm a water guy. And my body knows it because I got one of them bodies. I'm rejecting all that sugar, the man sugar, that white sugar. I'm not, I'm not eating that. Look at it. When I watch the documentaries on Netflix, don't, don't eat no white bread, no white sugar. I, I'm a water man. I'm healthy. Naturally, my body is doing me good. I'm just sweating because I'm hard working. My metabolism is going back to 20. Because I couldn't stop eating either. That's why I'm hungry. My metabolism going up. Look, look at me. If I squeeze real hard, I got all my muscles left. <laughs> Until my doctor gave me the bad news. For my good. Pastor Brown, you diabetic. That's why you thirsty and hungry. My life changed. Pastor Tim Keller, definition of the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved, accepted in Christ than we ever dared hope. Listen, you don't get the blessing of that hope without having your thirst unmasked for what it really is. A longing to belong and be loved by God your Father. An insidious drive 
to be reconciled and redeemed in right relationship with him. In fact, Galatians says this in verse 6, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This, again, Abba, we talked about it last week. This is Google Gaga talk, right? This is baby talk. And it confuses, and I read this, it confused the parental imagery in a good way for me, and I hope you're confused too. Our assurance of forgiveness this month is a Bible verse from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, and it says this, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I, the Lord, will not forget you. If God is your father, it will at the same time unmask your brokenness, but make you thirst in your unrighteousness and for righteousness like nothing ever has before. You ever seen babies who are right next to mama's breast? We used to laugh at Harrison and Clark. I don't laugh now because they just drink it up everything. But back then, you know, you've seen little heads. If you haven't, go online and look at something. I mean, I... It's a beautiful thing. I'm so glad Kelly breastfed because I got to see some stuff like with the, ba- with the baby, right? And just, that didn't come out right. That didn't come out right. Y'all, cause y'all are evil. Y'all are evil. Y'all are evil. Really evil. Evil. Y'all broken. Y'all broken. Y'all need Jesus. But I remember, I mean, Kelly would feed, finish feed the boys when they're hungry. She would put the shirt back on or whatever, and the boys still through the shirt, trying, thirsty. Oh, hey, just looking for the nipples. They don't care. They're just looking for it. Rooting naturally. And there were times when the boys were babies while I was waiting for mama hold them or the baby, waiting for the bottle to get warmed up that I used a pacifier. And when they wanted to be picked up, they, they would cry, cry, cry. You pick them up. There's nothing wrong with them. Diaper dry. The gospel saying the love of God. The gospel is so delicious in what it offers that once you taste it and once God holds you. Now, this doesn't happen at once. This is a growth process. The pacifiers in your life will no longer work. You will thirst for him and his righteousness, and he will always love to give it to you. That's the blessing. That in your thirst, and only in that thirst, being unmasked and seeing and believing, that, they, that you have right there, have Abba, Father, God, that, that you root, if you will, for redemption. That pain, that hurt, that admission of brokenness and hunger can be let out and freed. And we cry like thirsty children near the grace of God. Abba, Daddy. Maybe it's easier to say Mama, right? Milk, please. Grace, please. Forgiveness, please. Comfort, please. Nurse me. Hold me. Comfort me. Burp me, right? Change my diaper. Look at me. Let me cry it out. Disciple me. See me. Know what is wrong with me. Never leave me. Never put me down. Never forsake me. Take my cause up. Lift me up and fill me up, Lord Jesus. 
that in redeeming our thirst, it will work to lead us, to make us cry out to God and cry for no other, you see, and none other, to have a gospel thirst so big that it will take a God-sized grace to feed us and free us and to find us and fill us that those who are declared righteous, made sons, adopted, not only adopted, not only cry, ab, cry out, Abba, right, to thirst. That's what the gospel does to you. To make you cry out. To make you not satisfied with anything else. To hope for like a baby at the breast for God, right? But Abba, as Galatians says, in our pain, crying in our frustration on the breast of God. As one who's not only on the breast of God, but it also means on the mind of God. And in the face of God. Held in the purposes and love and grace of God our Father. Nothing like that will, will make you root for righteousness. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for that righteousness. For in Christ... They have and shall be filled and satisfied. I ask you, will you finally cry for the one thing your world can't give you? And God in Christ is given. Some of us, it's time to thirst for righteousness again. What you thought was filling you, you don't thirst for enough. Thirst for that supernatural grace of God. It's yours in Christ Jesus. And once you taste it, I urge you, keep coming back. Root for righteousness. Cry, Abba, Father. Will you come thirsty in one way and leave thirsty in another? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. We've turned to relationships. We've turned to sex. We've turned to food, success, jobs, all them stuff, money and houses and cars and all kinds of things. And then some of us have just become super religious and moral. Not because... We're filled with your grace. But we're enslaved by idols that trick us, that Paul says bewitch us into thinking that somehow we're going to get ahead. That that is what being filled feels like. I pray for our people here. I pray from, for me and all the pastors and leaders, the elders, the women shepherds, the deacons, the ministry leaders, the youth leaders, everybody. In leadership, Lord, I pray that you would protect us from idolizing being in ministry. From finding righteousness in doing some of the most righteous stuff you can do. <laughs> I pray for those who've been broken by this world. 
who've found vices, who've latched on to something that is, could be poison, that is a pacifier, that is a placebo, that is nothing. I pray that you would let them taste your grace. That they would taste the bread of heaven. That they would be fed and hunger no more for anything else but you. I pray for some of us in here, Lord. Oh, Lord, we've been walking with you a long time. And things have gone dead. Things feel dry. Things don't feel as on fire when we were young and with you, Lord. It's all become a routine because we've been disappointed and broken and hurt. Let us taste what you have to offer again, Abba. Daddy, feed your children some fresh grace, some fresh fire, some fresh power. We need it. Revive us, I pray, in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. This we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.